And so we might say this is an experience of the void. You're listening to the Digital Void Podcast, where we work to make sense of the borderlands of digital media, culture, politics, and memes. My name is Josh Chapdelaine, and my co-host is memeticist Dr. Jamie Cohen. Today, Intelligent Mischief founder and creative director Terry Marshall and artistic director Aisha Schillingford join us to discuss their Nation X project, an original, massive, multi-platform, immersive story based on a fictional maroon society, the importance of civic media, and how surrealism can confront an absurd reality. I think a lot of responses to the murders of innocent Black people by the police or vigilantes was just so ridiculous, right? It was always the victim's fault. It would just be, it would be like you're sitting there and if you're you're just a sane person, let alone just black. You're like, this makes no sense, but the world just keeps going on. So I came with this term of like, well, when reality gets absurd, it's time to get surreal. Before we start, make sure to subscribe to Digital Void on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform now. So thank you. Thank you both for being here so, so much. Uh, we really love your work and we wanted to talk about it and see what's coming next. And uh, I think something that draws me to your work too is your cultural studies approach that's um that's my doctorate in cultural studies so um your work is really really inspiring and and it's very cool to see the community organizing that you're you're doing as well so first uh can you introduce yourselves and uh tell us a bit about how you started this project um yes so (laughs) i'm like oh you know so i'm like oh we're not one person but (laughs) But my name's uh, Terry Marshall. I'm Aisha Schillingford. <laughs> um, together, we're Intelligent Mischief. So uh, I I found the Intelligent Mischief in um, late 2013, early 2014, and I came out of uh, you know just little background. Me, my family's from Barbados. The they immigrated here. I grew up in Boston, uh, kind of Boston, New York, and in Barbados a little bit, uh, going back and forth. Uh, I did about I've been community organizing for like. 15, 20 years. Um, and around 2013, 2014, I was just getting to a place where um, I always incorporated uh, arts and culture in the organizing I did. And I, myself, and and other people I met, I was hearing a, a similar story of people who would incorporate creativity into organizing, and it kind of would get shut down in, uh, in traditional organizing spaces. So I had finally reached a point where I was like, there needs to be a space that was a lab, a place where people could experiment with these ideas, because I felt that a lot of typical organizing was like hitting a wall. Um, and historically, arts and culture in organizing is what made it uh, better. Um, so I came up with Intelligent Mischief. Um, I, about a year later, I met Aisha in, um, in Ferguson. Uh, during Ferguson October protests down there. Um, yeah, at the time that we met, I was working for the New Economy Coalition. Like I was, I had also been organizing um, for at that time for about uh, 14, 15 years. And, you know, everyone sort of descended on Ferguson during October of, of 2014 in order to really figure out like what was our relationship to that movement moment. You know, obviously folks were there in solidarity with with folks on the ground, but also trying to figure out, you know, what is this moment? Like, what is this emerging um, era of of black led organizing, you know, what is this uprising? What is this 
what is this new form of, of mobilizing? Because I think that's something that we noticed then too, is that whether it's like BLM or, um, you know, folks on the ground in Ferguson and other cities, it was a new, a new form of mobilizing and activism that hadn't existed um, in quite at that scale for the previous, in the previous years. And I think, you know, when we look back, we sort of see it in the same wave as, as Occupy mm-hmm. um, and, and the climate and the climate um, March. Because the climate March yep. was like the month before Ferguson. Yep. Yep. Um, and so there's, a, there's this new wave of like movement, mobilizing activism, like people power. Um, and it was just really um, intriguing. And, you know, just around that time I had, after organizing and doing a lot of cultural organizing in the Muslim community and then in the city in Dorchester, um, in Boston, um, just really had this like yearning to like um, engage more in art making and creativity. I was living with a lot of artists at the time and I was really craving mm-hmm. a group of people to collaborate with, to bring creativity and tricksterism to some of the, the work. So when I met Intelligent Mischief, Terry and some others at the time, um, actually like we, we met briefly in Ferguson, but then <laughs> we really met at this like satirical comedy writing workshop that Intelligent Mischief was doing in November <laughs> And I was like, that's like the most interesting thing I've been invited to all year. That doesn't feel traumatic. Doesn't feel like a, you know, like a sort of like rehearsing the trauma. It was like from this other space and it felt really, really interesting and intriguing. And I was like, I want to be part of this group. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's actually, I want to talk to you about that because the satirical and the trickster stuff is like really important, I think, in the the mobilization of these movements. And I think... Uh, joy is something that I think is important to like focus on. And I really think that the work you're doing like reminds people of that. So if you could maybe just expand a little bit on the trickster approach to this. And then I want to talk to you a bit about the satirical work too, because I I love the satirical survival project, Uh, the, Mm -hmm. the survival, the black body survival uh, (laughs) project. And I think that's, from my perspective, I mean, as, as a, as a cis white male, like it, seeing that is like interesting in, in terms of like understanding the idea of satire and the focus on these very, very heavy, very serious topics, but placing it in the, the space of like satire. How, how do you, how do you work with that? What do you do with the space between the, the satire and the, and the true, like the, the trauma of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it makes me always want, I'm, I'm laughing because I think I think of my joke before I say it. So, you know, I'm silly. But <laughs> oh, I want to be like, yeah, it's very heavy. But actually when you say that, I was thinking like, well, I don't know, we're just black. We we have no choice but to deal with it, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's heavy? That's just our world. Like, you know, you know, take a step back a little further too. some of the uh, influences on intelligent mischief. When I created it, you know, like I said, I always incorporate arts and culture. I came out of like community organizing, labor organizing, youth organizing, political prisoner organizing, all you know, all the above. And it, uh, shortly before I created intelligent mischief, I started to be around some of my peers and mentors uh would be a design studio for social intervention who started by Kenny Bailey, who's like a big brother to us. Um, Center for Story-Based Strategy, who I was, became a trainer for, was introducing me to the world like narrative, narrative strategy. It was stuff that was like stuff I was interested in, I was already doing, but people helped me focus some ideas. And also Center for Artistic Activism, which I uh, met Stephen Duncombe and Steve Lambert 
and uh, I'm on the board of. And I'll say all these things kind of helped me kind of form these ideas I already had and these practices I was already doing and gave me spaces to do that, which then allowed me to create intelligent mischief. So that's where like, you know, the trickster, the trickster came from like one of the being all these in-between spaces. Yeah. Right. And particularly like that comes through art and culture, I find. Um, and so, you know, like I said, my personal experiences was like every time we did something that was tricksterish. Was it would be the most successful thing for community organization, and then we get shut down because it was actually too trickster. It was too like, oh, that's weird or Unorth- something. Unorthodox, exactly. And so, you know, that kind of speeds it up to like the founding of Intelligent Mischief, and then uh, uh, one of the first, you know, around 2013, uh, 2012 is about 2013 is like a year after Trayvon was murdered. I had uh, did a Facebook post that was just kind of like I had watched this interview with one of the jurors that um, acquitted. Um, uh, his murderer, George Zimmerman. And yeah, I had wrote something like, wow, with the, something the jurors said was like, they said they didn't think that Trayvon was guilty. They just thought George was a good guy looking out for them. He got a little overzealous, you know? Oh <laughs> and so it became like, well, George, to them, it was like, well, Trayvon was just collateral damage, you know? Mm-hmm. He was just to their safety. Right? To their safety, you know? Yeah. And, and, and like, therefore, like, a black body is just dangerous no matter what. And, you know, if you got to take one down, just just collateral damage, then, you know, it's, it's all great. George is innocent then. And um, I just kind of posted something about that and thought about it. And I was like this, you know, I thought about like and at the time, um, I think a lot of responses to the murders of innocent black people by the police or vigilantes was just so ridiculous. Right. It was always the victim's fault. It would just be it'd be like you're sitting there and if you're you're just a sane person, let alone just black. You're like, this makes no sense, but the world just keeps going on. So I came with this term of like, well, when reality gets absurd, it's time to get surreal. And, and you know, it started actually exploring like surrealism, Afro surrealism. And it made me think that post and what the jurors said made me think of, um, I was like, okay, if black bodies are just dangerous like this in the, in the white imaginary, um, what other things are like that? And I was looking into pop culture and I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, The Walking Dead. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, zombies. Zombies is the only thing I could think of that's like, oh, this is something that's dangerous no matter what. Even if a zombie's just chilling, you should kill a zombie, right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, is this how black people are viewed through the white imaginary? And so we was like, well, there was a fam- there's a famous, uh, there's like a pop culture book called um, the, black- the Zombies- Zombie Apocalypse Survival Guide. And so he's like, oh, you know what? That's what we need. Black people need a survival guide, right? Because there's obviously some new rules that black people haven't heard of. And that's why we're getting shot. So we was like, we should make the black body survival guide. It, it, it just like caught on. And then we did all these workshops with people trying to source these like ridiculous tips. And, you know, it was really a project to like expose the racism. But we was like speaking to it logically didn't make any sense. So we had to be surreal in order to like expose what was going on. And that's, that's how we start coming up with like, yeah, it has to, it's so ridiculous what's happening. You have to combat it with like, um, with uh, satire and surrealism. Yeah. I mean, satire, like it, it investigates that space. It investigates that the, uh, how to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. And that surrealism, it brings attention to it. And I think that's a really interesting approach because a lot, I think a lot of times in, in, work or academics, uh, traditional academic work that's pretty exclusive and not inclusive often refers to like the black body as a carceral body, but it's Mm -hmm. not often considered of what that means 
outside of the writing of that. Like what that means is in the sense of like as a given mm-hmm. and the violence that comes with that is like so incredibly like be, I don't, I, there's a word that I don't probably know beyond the idea of like existential because it's like, it's a reality of that. It's, it's, it's like almost like a given and that becomes like inherent violence. And yeah. so mm-hmm. if, if you can't see it, you can't know it, but if you bring surrealism, I think that's a really interesting tactic, I guess. Is it, would you consider it a tactic, like a way of like opening people's minds to the, the absurdity of that thought process of like the inherent violence that just simply exists? Definitely. Uh, definitely a tactic to be aware of, I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, on that, I'm a, I'm a huge, I, I've, I've been doing civic media for, for, who, for as long as I've been like an academic. I started a, a new media program at uh, a small college on Long Island that was based on social good and like oh, inclusivity wow. and everything. And we, civic media is the undergirding structure of it. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit about uh, how you employ civic media and what, what value that you, you find in doing that? Um, I was just like remarking on like how that question would have, um, how I would have answered that question so differently a few <laughs> years ago, meaning like immediately I thought of like our Instagram and I was like, oh, Instagram would not have been okay. part of the civic media conversation mm. a few years ago. Yeah. Just remarking on the, the, I guess the evolution of the internet yeah. and then now two internets, right? Cause like social media yep, yep. is very different than the internet. World Wide web. Um, and so, yeah, like we've been, um, like really exploring like a praxis of like, how do we, how do we engage mm-hmm. in participatory like a collaborative process with, with people that we're in community with um, around framing like narrative and ideas and, and vision, and then incorporating that um, into um, projects that we want to make super accessible, um, whether it's through our Instagram, like through uh, making YouTube videos through um, sort of inserting and interjecting like um, provocative questions into streetscapes um, yeah. yep. uh, and, and or whether it's like through creating like a streetwear line that that's something like we really, we're really interested um, in doing um, soon. And this, this question of, um, you know, like, I guess we're really in- inspired by um, in this regard by Henry Jenkins and this like methodology around people participate in, creating the narratives they want to see and then we're amplifying those narratives to more people yep and then this kind of um continuous Mm -hmm. feedback loop and then i think that that really combines for us in a practical sense with with our tricksterness because like part of the tricksterness for us is like because we are both of Caribbean (laughs) backgrounds and there's something i mean maybe it's just like the relationship to the trickster character, um, mm-hmm. the, the West African trickster character is just so much part of the culture, but then also re- in relationship to being of mm-hmm. migrant background and right. straddling spaces. Uh, and then one of the outcomes of straddling spaces, like you kind of get okay-ish at a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, but not necessarily really good at one thing. <laughs> um, and so like, part of that is like, we just like, teach ourselves like any platform that feels like okay this is this is like what the kids are using right so like now we're like okay let's do a thing on clubhouse let's do a thing on instagram like let's dabble with youtube let's play with uh you know like an online streaming uh intervention and so on mm-hmm. um so like it feels like mm-hmm. for us like it's both like what do people what are the stories that people want to see 
co-creating those stories and then putting them on platforms that that people actually access or at least the people we want to that we want to be in relationship with around this work have you seen outcomes of that work have you seen an engagement or an activation following some of the work you're doing like do you actually see it being taken into action and direct action uh, from your have you have you witnessed that or have you uh, participated in some of those? Um, that's an interesting question because we were actually asking ourselves recently. One of the most <laughs> um, common outcomes of our work is people doing um, their own projects that are inspired by our work. And the question we ask ourselves, how can we know that someone yeah. <laughs> did that? Because we always usually hear about it, um, you know, kind of like by happenstance, like someone will say, Oh, don't you know so and so at Harvard? They made an entire dissertation about your work. And we're like, yeah. really? Wow. Like they did? Like we had no idea. Yeah. Or like someone built their entire like graduate school design project based on this premise. Yeah. Or here's a kid in Philadelphia doing a world building workshop with his entire middle school classroom because he attended your workshop. So like that's <laughs> most that's most of what we hear is like people either sitting in our workshops or our processes or seeing our work, getting inspired and going and doing their own thing. Um, so it hasn't necessarily been something we can measure, but when we hear about it, it's, it's really um, exciting because it means that the, both the ideas and the methodologies yeah. are reaching so far. It's like, we don't even know <laughs> that they're right. happening. Uh, people creating residencies and a whole nother island. Yeah. Or like everywhere I turn now, there's like black imagination, black imagination, black imagination. I'm not saying like that's due to us, but there was a point in time where we were the only ones talking about it. <laughs> well, that's got, that's amazing. And that's got to feel pretty good of to know that like it's, it's inspiring and activating. That, that's, yeah. That, that is, I mean, that's truly the, the meaning of civic media, right? Like you're not supposed to just ingest it. You're supposed to take it and, and be a civic minded individual. And then increase your reflexivity and inclusivity over time to the point where it makes it make sense. And other people, it works without you having to like hold somebody's hand into that process. Right. You know, that, yep. yeah. That's beautiful. Yep. Um, <laughs> so on, a, on one of your projects, we're, Josh and I are really interested in the Nation X project because we, we're, <laughs> we, we want to know a lot more about it because we were focusing recently on like the idea of fiction in general or like fictional ideology that becomes real life and we uh, because of our project in on digital void we're always focusing on like sometimes the, the the bad sides of that the things that come from that like in the most recent parts of like the catacristic uh thought of white marginalization you know it doesn't exist but they've taken the idea of victimhood as a fake uh raison to uh, in, well insurrect a, a democracy and that was based on fiction it's it's fictional so there's a negative to that but uh, we want we like to see that project of like, what do you do with fiction and in, in not that? How do you, how have you motivated that, that tech, not that technique of fiction? Yeah. I, it, it's so funny because as soon as you started to say it, I was like, I, I, <laughs> I kind of love like watching the right wing. <laughs> not that I love them, but like some stuff, they sometimes, unfortunately, they sometimes deploy this stuff very well. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, that, and I say it's very unfortunately, ridiculous. right? But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like when you said that, thought like, yeah, QAnon, QAnon, is, I'm fascinated mm. by it because I'm like, it's complete fiction. And yet there is almost an insurrection in the nation's capital a few weeks ago 
led one of the leading ideologies of this insurrection Mm -hmm. is this fictional story of QAnon, right? Mm -hmm. That galvanized a lot of people to action. I'm like, that's crazy. That tells the power of story uh, from the dark side. Um, uh, From from the good side, um, I'll just talk about Nation X a Mm -hmm. little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So Nation X itself is a story world we developed. It's actually a story world that comes out of Black Body Survival Guide. when we were writing the Black Body Survival Guide, we we found it difficult to like start to write this write the book, right? We never wrote a book. Um, and we start, you know, we're like, oh, we'll just make a book of tips. But we found diff- we was hitting um a roadblock. And then we was like, you know, we need story. We need like a story world behind this. And we started put ourselves in this imaginary story. We was like, okay, so who's writing this? If people wrote this book, um, they would be from uh, they have to come from another world that's like not oppressed. And we just started thinking and we came up with, um, we was like, oh, yeah, there's a nation called Nation X. And it's this maroon society that's 700 years old that's never been colonized. And it's um, black folk. It's like Afro-Indigenous society um, based in the West Indies. And they, for 700 years, been sending agents to the, um, to the American empire and throughout the diaspora to free black people everywhere. Um, and we was like, they came with this book, Black Body Survival Guide. Um, and we wrote the book in their voice. And then we we kept saying, like, well, actually, this story we're making itself is very interesting. So we kept playing with it. We started developing the story more and more over the years. And uh, we even had an um, exhibit at Boston University where uh, this eight-foot eight foot exhibit that one side was the part of the Black Body Survival Guy story, which was, like, the store where you could buy the products from the tips that we made real. And then the other side was the the agents for Nation X, their office and what it would look like. And this past year, uh, we encountered Michael T. Garver, um, who runs this experiential um, production company, company called 13XP. And we basically got opportunity to um, try to actualize Nation X itself. And we thought the best way to make Nation X real was through experience. How could we create an experience of Nation X? And we got funding from Pop Culture Collaborative Becoming America um, program. And we we designed a 24-hour uh, portal into Nation X through an online portal. There was this experience of, uh, you know, some of the agents from Nation X, they've over the years evolved to delivering their messages through music. So the agents are actually DJs and they put on this party um, uh, called Nation X online on uh, January 15th, this past January 15th. And it was this total online experience where we want people to feel with, like, what does liberation feel like for one day for people? Um, how they get introduced to the different characters and stories? How they get introduced to the Bruhexes, which is another group in Nation X that um, doesn't always agree with the DJs, but think there should be a more militant stance to how they free black folks. And they use they use body motion and dance to open a portal and try to seek out other black people to help free themselves. Um, and we, this was one experience we did and we hope to do many more, but we want to see how could this story world grow and span that offers this liberatory place. So somewhat similar to like black Panther Wakanda was like, we need stories of like, what if people, what if we, we as black people were never interrupted, you know, what if we was never interrupted? Well, how, how do we able to see ourselves? How, how free would we be? You know, and in creating that story, can we make it real? Um, I've, uh, 
Aisha, I think you could probably like. I, I feel like I'm missing those parts. I'm no, thinking of it. You, 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 got, you got it. <laughs> but you, you could say so too. Because I just feel like, yeah. Pretty well. I think thoughts that I have in general go about this question because Nation X essentially is is does come out of this yearning for a kind of mar- maronage, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's kind of um, capturing this desire to experience that that uninterrupted uninterrupted state and noticing that a, a lot with sort of black spaces on yep. online, right? Like where it's like spaces of like fugitivity and, and marinage. And like, that's really interesting. And I think one of the questions that then the Nation X story itself wants to create as a tension is, do we, do we go towards that, like, that running, that escaping, you know, that refusal, that turning away from the empire and, and all of all of the hardship that it has brought, or do we stay and fight for it to be much better? And you know, and everything in between. I feel like that question underpins the way, like you know, Black Twitter works, or the way that Clubhouse has evolved. Mm-hmm. You know, or or certainly a lot of artistic projects that we're seeing in this in the last couple of years around like. You know, do we just try to go somewhere where we don't have to experience this this reality, or do we stay? Do we stay and take Georgia for the left? <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and just throwing it too, I think like a piece. I'm like, there's so much that we've built the nation X is a, a story world where I'm like, yeah, I want people to really understand like how much we've made this world real. Like we've made a whole entire like world book, a storybook of nation X that's like. I don't know, 27 pages long. 47. Oh, sorry. 47, 47 pages long. Um, we made a flag. Uh, there's a flag for Nationettes. One of my goals is that the Nationettes flag will show up at a protest somewhere in the next year or so. Um, we have like numerous characters. We have different sites where people could pop up at. Like there's so much, like we've gone detailed to make this world real. <laughs> to, to expand on that, couldn't, couldn't there, could there be both? Like the the idea of the the imaginary and and also the like the 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 experience of making real a space that's solely mm-hmm. for Black folk and then also making Georgia left like is is there space for both or is there a like the the power here seems to be very like immersive like it's just really like if you it, it, we've obviously seen that it works like the idea of fiction becoming a reality but. Yes. Joy in that, and and even the militant approach is is approachable in a way that it, it spreads. It, it becomes something of an ownership, and that's that's got to feel pretty powerful to kind of frame that out. Like you kind of create a framework for that. Can you can you see a future in which those realities like are are realized it, it, sooner or later? Do you do you see that as like something that? is very uh, positive, hopeful for the, the near future. Um, I think very, very positive, hopeful for the near future. I think it's very sooner. I think it's happening already with this number of people. We even mentioned it, some projects of friends we know who are like, we're like, you're creating Nation X, <laughs> you know? Uh, wow, yeah. Even us doing the the portal, we was like, well, we made the space real. We was like, we want to create, it, you know, we was like, let's create, a, a, a fake party and we created a real party <laughs> right it was an online party that really happened with real djs so no well that's like that's kind of exactly what i meant yeah it's like you're literally you're creating reality through yep. the fictional premise and it's it's actually kind of beautiful yep. where it's it it becomes 
it's not a simulacrum. It's actually reality yep. with a, a structural underpinning of the black imaginary. Yep. 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 That's beautiful. <laughs> so I have, I have two more questions. Um, you mentioned Clubhouse and Black Twitter. What do you, where do you feel is the social media that provides the best space for these types of stories and these types of projects to exist or no social media at all, because maybe social media is just not, not great. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. We're still learning, uh, learning clubhouse. Um, we've been on there like maybe like mm-hmm. just a couple, a month or two. Yeah. Um, and learning very quickly that everyone's experience of clubhouse is so, can be so different depending on who you follow. And so that's, that's really <laughs> like, true. that causes some curiosity for sure. You know, just I, like, you know, just kind of like thinking about networks and how they, how they work. Like it's just so easy to see it because we've learned so much about social networks through Facebook yep. and Twitter in particular. So to then see a new, you know, this new platform appear and literally see the networks perhaps in relationship to um, cultural power. So to see that like, tech folks were on there yep. back in April. I think that's the, the interesting thing about Clubhouse that you can see when someone joined yep. um, and who added them. So like but tech folks were on there in April and then cult, big culture folks, like entertainment folks got on there like in June. And then people who kind of like maybe straddle like move social movements and culture, like Adrian got on there in like September. Yeah. And then the real like, deep nonprofit social movement folks just got on there and it was kind of like hmm is this like directly in relationship to how much power people have to to shape culture (laughs) um but i mean clubhouse is interesting just the sheer number of spaces that people can just create and um i think one thing that maybe i i love about clubhouse is that their element because it's coming with all with so many learnings from the other platforms that there is like really an intention it seems to both learn really quickly um to really try even if it doesn't work to build in equity from the beginning and this mm-hmm. sense of like sharedness um I can't say shared ownership because I have no idea what the monetization right is actually and mm-hmm. what it's going to look like but a sharedness like I love this way like you, if you're committed and you, you know, you post a couple of th- three things, you can create your own clubhouse and then people can join that clubhouse and then they can create whatever conversations yep. they want. There's something like super like uh, shared and beautiful about that, just that action. And, and so I'm kind of interested in the experience of collectivity that it, that at minimum that people embody while they're in there and the, maybe the, de-emphasizing of the of the visual like the you know like and more like what people have to say and what they think and how people go about creating safer or brave spaces in their conversations like I think that's really compelling and so you know I don't know what how it's going to evolve and what's going to happen but I think just because it is building on a lot of lessons of of the other spaces you know, maybe just by share like process of innovation, it intends to be the best. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess from our corner of it, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of the conversations happening that seem related to the kind of social transformation, um, not, not, and I don't mean like social justice conversation, 
I don't actually see those a lot on there. I'm, I think I'm not in the right network, <laughs> but more like conversations around spirituality or around supporting each other, people's writing process or right. supporting people to not, to, you know, tap into networks and a lot of advice giving and a lot of like, yeah. you know, like sharing different perspectives in a super civil way. Um, so yeah, I kind of like it. I don't actually go on as much though, because <laughs> it's a little too much talking for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very visual person. AKA like, audio Twitter, black, audio black Twitter. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's a lot. <laughs> and you can't listen at the same time. Right. So you kind of like, it's it's different than the scroll experience, which I'm addicted to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely an interesting app. I mean, we're, we've recently joined and it's, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it because it's, it, to me, it's reminiscent of like, chat rooms and ephemeral chat rooms from like the nineties back with dial up. And yep. now it's kind of like that and it exists and it's there and people, but it's, it's more like, it's more in control. It's like, it's where we used to like RPG, but now it's like you actually share a space. It's a, a very, it's very interesting. I, I'm, I haven't, I haven't spent enough time on the platform to actually make a, an actual strong opinion on it yet, but I do like it. I actually, I do appreciate what it's doing and I love hearing voices mm-hmm. And actually hearing voices like, and, and it's the, mm-hmm. the, the patience is kind of beautiful. So it's, it's something about it. So I, last question, and this has been a, a, amazing speaking to you, but it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So I feel like your projects are so forward driven. And I think that like equitable futures are the only way that we're going to be able to be kind to each other in a, in a space that at least allows black lives to matter. And that's, that's to me is like really important. I mean, that that's a, a standpoint of many people, but I think what you mentioned earlier about like the platform itself, I have a strong belief that social media can only exist equitable if you start that way. Mm-hmm. Right. If, you, if it starts from the top, like if you don't, yep. it's hard to fix it after it's begun. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I was going to say like one of the things that we're doing now, which feels like it resonates with this question is like making really explicit or inviting people to join us in making explicit the, the question of um, designing, essentially designing a new society that presumes a utopia for, for Black people. And part of that is, yeah. you know, I was reading um, a really interesting article in Phenambulist magazine uh, today, and it was talking about the role of the Haitian revolution in all other revolutions, like not just other um, uprisings of of the enslaved, but other revolutions for freedom. Because people looked at this like most dejected society of enslaved people and said, if those folks can declare their humanity and dignity and freedom, then obviously the rest of us can have that. Um, And I feel like it's, it felt like really similar to like our question of, you know, like we kind of asked like, what if blank, was a black utopia. And we mean that to mean like, what if your city was a black utopia or your organization or your home or your network, whatever. And like, what if people really kind of grappled with um, the idea of of design and planning um, through the lens of making a space, a utopia for black folks, like what kind of reorganizing even of our own assumptions and values um, would we have to engage in? Um, And so that's, that's kind of like our, um, inroads into the question of like equitable, equitable design and planning and, and creation and so on is to kind of see like who, who, who's like interested and or inspired or brave enough to like 
um, say, you know, I, it doesn't matter what background I am. Like I would like to make my, my nightclub a black utopia, um, in a real sense and design that at the center. And so we're doing like, um, a bunch of like, uh, labs this year to, um, engage folks in that, in that co-design. Um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. This matter of ways, the, um, yeah, just along with that, like, I was like, it has to be about design. When you say about the platform from the beginning, it's like, yeah, it, it, you, it, it, these things were designed, so they could be designed in a different way. The internet is designed a certain way, so it also could be designed in another way. So, um, yeah, we really have to take that. We have to start at, for the social justice folks and folks who are interested in liberation, it has to start with this. We have to start thinking of like in a way of design matter. And that for us, I think a lot that begins in the imaginary. Mm-hmm. And we particularly come to the standpoint and viewpoint of the Black radical imagination. Thank you so much for being here. We, this is very wonderful hearing your projects and hearing about you. Um, how do people learn more? Where can they find you? Uh, where can they connect with you? Intelligent Mischief on Instagram is probably the best place. And then our website, uh, intelligentmischief.com. Yeah, your website's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we really really like your work. Thank you both so much for being here. We really appreciate your time and and value your work. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We had a really good time. Yeah, this is great. Thanks. Thanks again to Terry and Aisha for joining us on the Digital Void podcast. To learn more about Digital Void, and to find show notes of today's episode and all previous conversations, you can visit us on the web at digitalvoid.media. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll be back next week.